Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Jack This is 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett, and we are one week away from National Signing Day. Or, can we just call it National Signing Day? Early Signing Day is what I've been calling it. Uh, it just – Some people – I think the new term is ESP. People have been calling it Early Signing Period. But it's really not a period. It's really one day. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, the late day in February, the old original day. I mean, technically... But this one has taken over. This is, for all intents and purposes, right. the signing day. Because it's early signing period, but it's all on that one. Well, day. what's messing us up right now is that they had the extra bye week during the season. Right, and it's pushed everything back. So, there's only two and a half active weeks of recruiting. Right. Give or take. So... And then you got to think those teams in conference championship games are even more oh, they got on a ten, time crunch. They got 17 days. Right. Yeah. Or... If that, no. They had 10 days. Mm-hmm. Only 10 days. We, it, Kentucky and them, they got to be 17. But And then, coaching-wise, people hiring coaches, it's even more of a yeah. mess. So Well, um, I mean, that just shows, like, yesterday Stoops was in Detroit, Cincinnati. He's in Charlotte this morning. He's going back to Columbus to see Mike Drennan tonight. A lot of moving parts. He has no time for nothing. Um, and I think they got, got a nice jet, though. Yeah, yeah, it is a nice jet, nice jet. And, and at least they're big, like Detroit to Cincinnati. That's a quick what forty-five minute flight tops. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure hell, you could probably even fly commercial at that point. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, drive time. You could probably get to Lexington from Detroit in under six hours. Yeah, I mean, he ain't got time for that, right, but, but still, that, yeah, it's not super far. They're not. Going coast to coast. Right, right, exactly. So, they were busy yesterday. Um, he was talking about the belt bowl today. Him and Justin Fuente, you want to talk about – How was that? I didn't get to see it. I would have been just furious if I was one of them. Because they basically showed up for – The press conference lasted 15 minutes, and they did one-on-one interviews afterwards. But it was a lot of moving and shaking to be down there for an hour, essentially. And just, you know, glad hand. But, did, you know, that's why they pay him a bunch of money. Did the Belk Bowl commissioner have one of those fancy sports coats? Uh, no. He he said he was the former TCU AD, though. And Fuente was their OC back then. Yes, he was for Gary Patterson. So, Andy yeah. Dalton. Oh, 
Didn't small world. That's how he got the Memphis job. Yeah, Andy Dalton's team. And didn't realize too that Barry Odom was at Memphis with he was Fuente because mm-hmm. a lot of people were talking about him going to be the DC for Fuente, but instead he's promoting right. a guy who he's he's keeping a Bud Foster guy. He is yeah. a, guy, a guy that played at Virginia Tech. Yeah, Justin guy. Hamilton. So, mm-hmm. um, but they wasn't all the other Bud Foster guys go. Yes, they are. There's the defensive line coach. Like last name Howells, he came over with Beamer and all them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's been there for twenty, ever. thirty, yeah, forever, thirty-five 20 years, twenty so years. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then there's a secondary coach they're losing, and then a guy that I believe Fuente brought in was originally receiver coach, moving the running back. He's gone too. So they're having a little bit of staff shakeup. Yeah. Right before the bowl game. Great right. time Great time to do it for Kentucky. And Kentucky's having a little bit of staff shakeup, too. Yeah. Um, would you say that every OVC coach comes from the University of Kentucky? Starting to seem that way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Walt I, – I forgot Walt's last name already. He's just Walt a, Wells. Yeah. He's a Walt, though. He looks like a Walt. Yeah. I love Walt Wells' hair. Well, I love any man's hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But – He's a big visor guy, though. Big visor guy. Big visor guy. I'm you got to show that guy. lettuce off. Yes. Just like Lane Beautiful. Kiffin. Which, so, night. let's just go into coaching carousel. Uh, I guess we'll start where we were with Dean Hood because that's a significant loss for Kentucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about him last week or two weeks ago about how the fake punt, how that hadn't happened since he's been here and how mm-hmm. good of a job he's done, how he's turned what was kind of a weakness at times during the Mark Stoops era into a strength of the football team. And that that's a that's a blow. And I think he was a guy, you know, that old old dog in the room that Stoops yeah. could probably go to and if ask for advice on you know whatever, you know, and it's, that that stinks. You know, you hate to lose him, but that's a, I think it's a great hire by Murray State. I, th- I think they knew, like I think Stoops knew going in, like two or three years max was all he was going to get out of Hood. Or he, it, it could have just been if an FCS job come a good one that I'm interested in, I'm probably going to take it. Right, like it, that 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 was never going to be kind of a long term deal. Um, I just hope that whoever he hires to be special teams coordinator, I know we you can with offensive and defensive coordinators, we can quickly assemble a short list. I don't think you really can with special right. teams, but usually I have a a pretty good sense, or I can come up with a list that I think might be matches. This one right here, I'm not really sure what he wants to do. Recruiting-wise, they feel fine. I don't know if he really wants to go out and get a recruiter. Yeah, Dean Dean was a big – he just did their preferred walk-on program. I think really. it's important to remember that they have a quality control coach, Louis Matasakis, who's really kind of like the special teams kind of guru behind the scenes, I think. And Hood would get the Aussies, but Matasakis worked with them. He was a, he's the kicker's coach yeah, for yeah. all intents and purposes. Right. So, I don't know. He, he – I think he was a really, really shrewd hire by Mark Stoops, and it really, really worked out well. And I, I'm sure he was a guy that Brad White leaned on to yeah. as being a first-time defense coordinator. And I think that, like, obviously we're looking at Max Duffy and Matt Patton and the success that the Aussies have had. Yeah, you hate and, to lose that pipeline, too. You, you right. want to keep those guys coming back, but really where it's most significant is the what we can't see and what all he provided – behind closed doors because everybody else on the staff is a young guy. I guess Eddie mm-hmm. Eddie's at the old head now at 54. Right. Um, and Eddie, there was uh, some scuttlebutt that uh, not only that when Bruce Feldman dropped his name as a, as a big candidate for the FAU job, 
But there was a report out of some, I don't know. Just call it a fan blog. Yeah. FAUinyourface.com. FAU's KSR. Yeah. Uh, they, they reported that Grand was in Boca interviewing for the job. And then about an hour later, Grant tweeted out at the Sunset in Independence, Kansas, <laughs> where I'm assuming he was hanging out with Jeremy Flax. But it, you know, pointing fingers whether or not Grant was there and he didn't like the job or they weren't going to offer enough or whether he wasn't there at all. And this was, you know, that, right. could, that could have been just a cover up or that could have had some legs to it. Either way, there was not a meeting of the minds. Or they might have been the same situation, similar to Stoops in Florida State, where he might have been just a little bit down their list. Yeah. So then he said, deuces. Yeah, I'm good. I'm getting I'm 900. Go. And right. I'm probably going to get a raise out of it. Right. Um, but any – Grand's getting up there where he's getting to an age where, you know, it might be passing him by a little bit of the opportunities. But if he's going to take one, it's going to be one of those – FAU, FIU, because of those deep recruiting ties he has in Miami. Right, right. Or it's going to be another kind of low-level CUSA, Sunbelt job that recruits, pretty much can recruit Florida. Yeah. So there's only a handful of those out there, really. And, you know, Florida Atlantic's one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously an option. And, you know, he was probably up towards the top of the list, but they decided to make – the splashy hire. Yeah. Getting Willie Taggart. Going with Willie Taggart. That worked well for USF and Charlie Strong, right? I hope Willie Taggart rents. I think this is five head coaching <laughs> gigs in nine years. A lot oh, of assistants man. don't move that much. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he's getting a lot. And, well, hell, he probably ain't going to even get that much out of Florida State because they never signed a contract. He pulled a Billy G on him. Yeah, I don't know how all that's going to work out. Yeah. It's probably going to get messy in the courts if I had to imagine. Yeah, uh, but Mike, Mike Norvell is going to take his old spot at Florida State. That's kind of, you know, he was he was always the guy. He was the only guy they offered. Um, but that that always felt like the – That always bet. made the most sense. Yeah. And yeah. Nick Roush, I'm a big fan of these introductory press conferences. Oh, you, I, I, do, I, I appreciate that you watch all of them. I've like, watched all, all of the Power 5 ones so far. Some of the G5 ones are hard to find, but I will try to go back and watch those too. Are you going to watch all of – Steve Adazio at Colorado State. Oh, I'm State. not missing that. I'll probably watch that one twice. That's a dude. Yeah. That's a dude. That's a dude. Low-key, Colorado State just built a new stadium. The stadium's awesome, it's too. awesome. And it's they like have, uh, the, the end zones. It's like sponsored by – not Sierra Nevada. But it's something new. They just bought, They just got a name new, for it. New Belgium. New Belgium sponsors all of it. Yeah, so it looks pretty sick. And uh, they have, like, some big deal facilities, too. Like, they've got some big money in that program. And they hired Steve Adasio, which is – he's never coached, I don't think, west of the Mississippi. Oh, and he's such a – like, just and listen a, to him talk. He's he a 500 like a, coach. He's been 500. Everywhere. He's 500 at Temple, 500 at Boston College. But his guy, Urban Meyer, was involved in that coaching search for some reason. And he was – it looks like he was stumping for him hard. And I'm happy is to it, have Steve Adasio still where we get to see him. That so, video of him at BC with the – it's a dude. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I hope that stays alive. hope the Rams still have their dudes. Uh, the guy he replaced, Mike Bobo, going to return with Will Muschamp, best offensive coordinator hire in the history of college football? We make fun of Muschamp a lot, but that's probably the best one he's had. It is the it's, best one he it's could It's going to suck because he's only going to get him for one year more than likely. Yeah. He needed him three <laughs> or four years ago. but He was at Georgia previously, correct? Right. He was Georgia's offensive coordinator for a long time, played quarterback at Georgia. He played with Muschamp. 
Like, they've known uh, each other forever. Gotcha. So, and they're both from Georgia, so they've probably known each other since they were high school kids. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how it works out. Um, He's getting paid. Well, like that's what I was about one, to bring up. Like a million bucks, right? They're 1. not afraid 2? to pay. $1.2 million. And they had the uh, – they actually, USA Today had their assistant pool come out. And T-Rob, their defensive coordinator, is up there. Man. Uh, or, or, I can't say his name. Or Aaron A. Arenada from Dave Ellis. Aranda. Aranda. Damn it. There's too many A's in there. Um, he's the highest paid. Grand was all the way down at like 37th. He was the highest UK guy on the list. I have a feeling that will get bumped. I mean, it, the contract he's on now is going to bump it up regardless, but I have a feeling that'll go yep, up. He's a got two bit. years left on his deal right now. The coordinator deals don't really last more than three years. Three years is kind of what they lock them into. Right, right. But the big, the big hires, though, to talk about, though, are in the Southeastern Conference where. Which, which one would you like to go to first? Like, because all three of them feature just – got to start with Lane. It, it, it just means more, though, in every single one of these instances. Yes, Lane, it just means more in a lot of different ways. <laughs> but More hair. More hair. More neck. A lot more neck. These two entities, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss – aren't really the beacon of stability. <laughs> so this thing is going to be a roller coaster, and I am very intrigued to see how it plays out. We've already got reports that he's trying to poach Saban's strength coach and maybe Tosh Lupoy, who used to be Saban's defense coordinator, is now with the Browns. He comes into the press conference, and these people are jacked. A guy hands him a baby, mm-hmm. tells him to get a burner. They have the – the, the where the AD and president talk, and then he comes up. They had that in their new basketball arena, and they are selling beers, and they show, <laughs> you know, some fraternity dudes in there crushing beers, yelling oh, Lane, Lane, Lane. And he did a really good job at that press conference, and then he goes, answers questions, in you know their media. He had the tarmac area. line. Yeah, had the tarmac line. Yeah, like you know it. Wasn't my worst experience on a tarmac. Right. Then gives a line about, you know, how he's going to use analytics, how they're going to do some unconventional things. And then he kind of took a shot. He said, most coaches are, you know, afraid of the press conference. I'm not going to be afraid of the press conference. Oh, man, already taking drives and saving. So, this, that, that, that's going to be interesting to watch, man. I, and man. year two, he goes to Knoxville. Oh, man. That'll be like 10-year – it's probably Knox's ten year ten year birthday. And he he also gave a line saying, uh, "Do I need to rename him? What did he say? Ox or something? Yeah, Ox. <laughs> <laughs> Changes Knox to Ox. Yeah, yeah. If y'all don't know, uh, in his what was it? Eight months in Tennessee. He, I mean, Tennessee was good that year. That's probably the best season they've had since Fulmer was. They on. almost beat Alabama. Yeah, um, that's the closest they played him. Uh, he he had his firstborn son. And he named him Knox. And then he left for USC. <laughs> and Knox was the one where they had the video of the kid going crazy. And he's just chanting, S-C-C, S-C-C. Um, but that, that's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy and I'm hopeful like it that we're going to get not the spurrier levels of success, but that kind of I don't give a damn mentality at the podium. Because, frankly, especially SEC media days, it gets stale. That's what I was about to say. Just get up there and talk your crap. Be a renegade. Because you know Sankey's going to have two eyes on every move he makes down there and on Ole Miss because they got a brand-new AD, too. Keith Carter is a guy who played basketball for them. 
if you remember the Bryce Drew shot that they show in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that was a guy. He was a guy guarding the inbounds pass for Ole Miss. So he's he's a young guy, and this is his first big hire. And they go out, and you know they they decided to get splashy. Yeah, and why not? And why not? We're just gonna like I said, it's gonna be a roller coaster, in Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin's brother was there with Freeze and got a show cause. <laughs> oh, his show cause ends though. Yeah, and now they hire his brother, and I'm really intrigued. All these sta- all these hires, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what kind of staff they all bring. So, in, in the there was a funny tweet that um, somebody connected all the dots here. So, on Coach O's staff at Ole Miss, he had Matt Luke and Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. Yes. So he had all three of those. And Frank Wilson, who just got fired at UTSA. So, Hugh Freeze ends up taking the job for Orgeron. Matt Luke takes the job for Freeze. And now Kiffin taking the job mm-hmm. from, I mean, it just, you know, Ole Miss. They, 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 they're they stuck in their own ways. But I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. It was an exciting hire. The one that I think is hilarious, and he is going to be just a big weirdo at SEC Media Days, too. And that's the Arkansas coach, Sam Pittman. What the hell were they thinking? Dude. I mean, it's so. I mean, all of these, all of these hires are so perfectly on brand. First things first, Arkansas's AD Hunter Yurchek is what? kind of a goober. Oh, huge like, goober! I think you you saw the videos. Oh my god! That they sent out when he signed the contract, and then his press conference. He's just kind of out there a little bit. <laughs> he's he been hanging out with them pigs too much. <laughs> He wears like the Arkansas Red Blazer everywhere, and he just—I mean, he's that's my first takeaway watching that was well, that guy's kind of off. And, yeah, interesting. <laughs> he won't be there very long. It was my my biggest <laughs> takeaway from that press conference. Ooh. But then you get to Sam Pittman, and man, he's an offensive lines coach, offensive line coach. He's funny. He's got one-liners out the wazoo. He's not afraid to make fun of himself. Mm-hmm. He's holding the room. Everybody's laughing. Have a good time. They all love him. And, you know, he got emotional, too, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he cried twice. And it was a very fun press conference to watch because he was so easy to make fun of himself. But also, you know, he was very comfortable behind the microphone Called his wife a six star. <laughs> just and I'm I'm pulling for this guy. He's 58 years old. He'll be 59 when the season starts. Like he never thought he was going to get this opportunity, and then it came. And I'll be cheering for him, and I hope it works out for him. It's all going to be on the staff, but for Arkansas, here's what I think they're thinking on it was long term. They wanted about seven different guys before they got to Pittman. They all said no. Most recently was. Lane Kiffin. And then this is how big this Yurichek guy, a goober, he is. He allowed the Arkansas fan, John, John Neighbors, yeah. was pretty much tracking his flight. Yeah. And they knew he was in Boca, and they weren't shy about it. I mean, they just kind of ran the search in public. <laughs> so he just didn't do a good job. But Pittman, man, I, I, I'm going to be pulling for him. I think he's going to be great. Our guy Bob Holt's going to get a lot of content from him. Oh, he's going to get so much content from Pittman. And, and the thing is, so, like, even though it, it it does seem like the most out of left field type deal, Coach it, O is having, like, he's SEC Coach of the Year. They're the top-ranked team in America. And the teams for a long time thought he's just a defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. He's just a recruiter. He can't be a head coach. Mm-hmm. So, maybe Pittman can be that. Now, he left Arkansas in really weird circumstances the first time. 
when they like Bielema brought the entire offensive line yeah, over to say goodbye, weird. and he still left. And then, I mean, that was just bizarre. And then he blocked him on Twitter. And Arkansas, what's their social media team doing putting that out there? Again, what, what? I think it starts with the top. And Hunter Yurchek is – he comes off to me as kind of a goober. So, I'm not surprised that the rest of the ship is running right, like right. that. But Pittman, here's my thing with it. I think Pittman was tied to Jim Chaney, who was the offensive coordinator down there. Mm-hmm. Jim Chaney left. So then I think Pittman's like, well, I don't really want to work for Bielema. I don't have ties to him. So I'm going to get another job. So deuces. Uh-huh. And so he and, he and he ended up working with Chaney later. George, I can't remember where Chaney went in between. But anyway, you know, that's just coaching. That stuff happens. And Bielema was, you know – Right, but hurt about it, so he went over there to yeah. confront him. But it allows Arkansas to kind of get to an identity that Bielma kind of had rolling there for a couple years, mm-hmm. which is pretty much that the linemen are the stars. Like they had the their whole offensive line on their media guide one year. I mean, right now was a beast, too. right? Yeah. And Pittman's can really recruit offensive linemen. You, I can just listen to him for five minutes and say, "Man, that guy's probably a pretty damn good recruiter." Yeah, and so it's gonna. They're going to establish, I think, an identity with him, maybe a culture. And then I think the hope is, man, just give us five years, a couple bowl trips, and then we can reassess five, six years down the road. Then we'll be in a much better place. Right now, man, they're in really deep mud. You know, the Bielema era didn't went well, and they made, you know, a really bad hire in Chad Morris. Yeah. And I think now they realize what they kind of have to do. I think they kind of have to, you know, just get big, get physical, get nasty, maybe kind of play like Kentucky does in the East, maybe kind of be the West version of that, and just figure it out. And I think Pittman, they're just rolling the dice on a guy that the fans are going to like. Maybe he can do it. I mean, he he at least personifies everything there is about Arkansas. Right. Also in the same way that Orgeron kind of personifies everything there is about – uh, the, the Cajun country. All these hires are big question marks. A lot of it's going to be, you know, on pretty much when they hire, just the staffs you can make. What talent can you attract to coach there? And, man, before you take a drink of that drink, let me just bring up our boy Eli. Eli Drinkwitz. He's a nerd, ain't he, man? He is such a nerd. Oh, my goodness. I love – it's a play caller, though. He's one of my favorite play callers. I've liked him since he was at NC State. And I've got a thing for you on Drinkwitz. Oh. 2018 – he made $450,000 as a coordinator at NC State. Okay. He w- This year, he made $750,000 the head coach at App State. Yep. Pretty good pay raise. Yeah, almost doubled his pay. Guess what he's making now? $2 million? $4 million. So, um, I'm not – let me get my Oklahoma math out. That's uh, – <laughs> Oklahoma makes, makes his way into 400, every podcast. 400% increase there, Adam Luckett? Mm-hmm. That – I, I mean, the thing is, that's I, I don't know if you'd say the going rate for an SEC coach. It's a little bit more <laughs> than the going rate. But I don't know. I can't get over the dude. Just it, hiring – firing Barry Odom was expensive. So, like, I don't know why you – it just – it doesn't make sense to me. It just, it this, just, this none, of it, it just none of it makes sense to me at all. Um, I mean, this guy obviously has the – uh, upside and a lot of potential as an offensive play caller, as you said, and they kicked ass this year. He made Scott Satterfield look like a chump 
but he's got one year head coaching experience, and you're going to go blow four million dollars on him after you've already spent what two probably to get rid of Odom. Here's the thing with the Missouri search: they just weren't prepared at all for the search, and you could tell with the pool of candidates he put together. Their board of trustee, I think they call them board of regents, curators, curators. Yeah, because that was one of those. I was like. You freaking snobs. You all you, – Missouri, if there's not a bunch of bigger, pompous sons of I don't know what, then I, I'd love to find them. You'd have to go to Michigan to find them. And, and you know what's really going to just – I'm going to love but also hate is all of the big J's at Missouri Journalism School. All of those uh, – Syracuse, Missouri – I guess Missouri is at least a working class J school out of all of the ones. But Syracuse, Northwestern, their noses are all high up in the air. And the drink puns are flowing. They cannot help themselves. Can't help themselves. And they're going to be dealing with – They're only going to get worse. And they're going to get – and he's one of their own. He's going to feed them that crap. And, I mean, just hearing him talk, I just want to shove him in a locker. Like, Barry Odom right now, like, I guess he's just – like, I hope he can sit back and enjoy, like, that money – because if I was him, I would just want to beat that dude up. Be like, really? You're going to take my my school, my alma mater, fired me for this nerd? Oh, you know Barry Odom. Oh, man. God. <laughs> he is, he's fuming. You know and Barry, I would be too. You know he's mad, man. And uh, Mary Jo Perino, she's like the one Missouri fan I do know. And she's upset. Now, granted, she was in school the same time Odom was. And she knew him. So, it was. Yeah. But still, Missouri fans, you fired one of your own for this guy? This dork? Hey, Give you a couple quotes that Drinkowitz uh, gave out. But first, let me set up how this press conference was. You're going to get a kick out of this. So they go live, and they've got that new end zone that they just finished, that new facility or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've got the smoke coming out. Oh, He walks yes. through the smoke, kind of looks around. they got a, you know, a guy following him the whole way. Kind of looks around, walks on the field, and they're playing like the fight song in the background. And then he turns at, like, the 15-yard line, walks up the stadium steps. They've got cheerleaders there, you know, Great cheering him on, yeah. saying M-I-Z-Z-O-U, whatever. And then they walk they walk him into the thing. And they all, you know, clap for him. And then their president gets up there, and this guy is wired on coffee, man, just talking 100 miles an hour, this way, this way, that way. On coffee. And then – uh. They got another guy who's just like their academia guy, and he just screams, you know, academics. Got yeah. the comb over, all this and that. And then they had a PA guy, and then their AD gets up there. So this was like an extravagant kind of thing they had set up. And then Drink gets on the podium. He has two quotes that I took away. You know, he had the Sunbelt snafu, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's the main quote. That's but, the one quote. You, you put that on the headlines – New Missouri coach can't wait to win the Sun Belt. But I think he did a good, good job playing it off. He said, well, I just did that. <laughs> and so, he, anyway. Also, uh, a shout-out to Trevor Kelsey who said, uh, oh, that's the best they can ask for at Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great one. Um, he described his offense, and then there's two things. But and this is word salad. Pro spread out of the no huddle with vertical passing, downhill running. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so that's everything. We're playing with tempo. That's that's, that's new then, college basketball coach playing with tempo. Then when the Q and A starts, he goes. They ask him, I don't know about expectations or whatever. He goes, I don't feel f- failure. I attack success. What do you think about that? But if you're attacking success, that sounds like a Tony Perkis quote off heavyweights. Yeah, because it's, it does. It makes <laughs> with skim milk. 
Because <laughs> if you're attacking success, you like want to beat it up. You'd want it to go away. Why would you attack success? Man, gosh, what a dork. I, the only thing I worry about with Drinkowitz is biting off more than he can chew. Because he's stepping up in the talent you know, the talent yeah, level. In Missouri. And I don't know if he has the connections to what kind of staff he can bring in. And I'd be worried about recruiting because that was something Odom, I think, struggled with. So recruiting and, you know, you stepping up in weight class. You can get so many dudes from St. Louis. You know, like there's – that's that's a tough area to recruit because Nebraska – you're competing with a lot of Big Ten yeah, schools. Just, they have this deck – the deck stacked against them yeah. already just because of their locale in the Southeastern Conference. Like I guess you could – if. If you're smart, you you do the kind of Mark Stoops pitch and tell all those Midwestern guys come play in the SEC. You get Chicago, you get your St. Louis guys, and then maybe you have hit Texas up some. But either way, that's a tough place to sell. So I just I think this dork is going to get shoved in a locker, and I'm frankly happy about it because Kentucky plays them once a year. So at Missouri this year too. Yeah, they're going to be floundering next year. He's got to get a quarterback. He that's quarterback. another thing he said multiple times is like the need for a good quarterback, lean in on your quarterback. So I fully expect them to visit the portal. Speaking of the portal, Cats went to the portal. They, they did. They got they got themselves a dude. But a better than a Steve Adazio dude. Mm-hmm. They got themselves a guy, Joey Gatewood. It happened – was it the same night we recorded last week or was it a day later? I think it was a day later. Okay. Either way, it kind of like, – Yeah, it was a day later. It was one of those things where you were like – we kind of been waiting on this for a while, and it just boom, random thing. You're like, ah, Gatewood, he's walking. Ah, we. I think we had a sense it was coming soon. We just didn't know it was going to happen that early. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a good a a good time to show all your recruits two weeks before signing day. Hey, look at this quarterback we got waiting in the wing. Um, B, he says he's going to try for early eligibility. I talked about the KSR should. football podcast. Probably not going to happen um, just because, A, you're inside the conference. B, you need to have help from the other school. Gus Mail's on. He ain't going to do any help. It's just not going to happen. I don't expect it. Not when they're playing no, next year. Yeah. No, not at all. So, and, But he could use – all honesty, I think it would be good for him long term if he had a year to just ingest the offense, get you know your feet wet here. And not be just the, the power run specialist that he's been his career. Right. So far, because that's because if he could, if he played, if he was eligible next year, it's still Terry's team, you know, depending on how good that knee is, and he's coming in for short yard situations to run the damn ball. Right. Which, uh, you know, that's fine, but just something they kind of need because this year that was a big struggle, short yard. Yeah, yeah, but also they didn't play Chris Rodriguez in short yard situations until freaking November, you know, and that mm-hmm. just uh, we can get to that another day. But I think the big thing that we got to talk about though is just I don't think you can cut out a better fit for a quarterback in Eddie Grant's offense than Joey Gatewood. Here's my thing with Gatewood. Like I think we all need to realize that he is raw, raw, raw. When you turn on his tape, you see all the good things, but the deal with him is that, you know, consistency. Can he do it over and over and over? But with all that said, he's got a ceiling higher than a, any quarterback we've this program has had since Couch. So you see some of these plays this kid makes. Like and when, on the film room piece I wrote on him, there's one where he scrambles right, oh stops on a dive, <laughs> 
doesn't step into the throw, just kind of sidearms it up there, and he throws a receiver open 65 yards down the field, touchdown. I mean, it's just like – I mean, you just – I just had to stop it and say, well, that's just ridiculous that anybody could do that. But for him, it's all going to be on, you know, kind of a down-to-down basis. But the good thing – with this offense, it's like you made, like you just said, it is tailor-made to this kid's skills, man. Power running game, he can do the zone reads. He's fleet-footed enough where he can get to the edge, beat contained defenders, get outside. He, he can run inside tackles on all the, you know, the power runs. And he, sh- and with that, if you run the ball heavy like that, it should open up for deep shots. And he's got a bazooka. Oh yeah, so absolute cannon. And on some of his vertical throws, the biggest thing I was impressed with watching him is he had vertical throws where he put touch on the ball, where it was an outside fade and he laid it on the receiver's outside shoulder. So that, that was to me, was very promising. If he can do that somewhat consistently, that's going to help a lot. So I am excited to see what the staff can do with a guy that has as much raw ability as he does. And then you get him for a year before Man. he start before you need to start him more than likely. See, and this that's the part where I'm and most you, excited because those throws the that you make out of the RPO, they're quick and they're not easy. Mm-hmm. Jared, when we do podcasts, he always talk about how much he hated throwing slants, and that's that's what this is. It's a lot of quick hitters and making fast reads. Yeah. It helps having a year to get your feet underneath you. As we were kind of seeing and projecting this year for Terry Wilson because decision-making was obviously an issue in his first year as a start. It just was. And so on the flip side, Gatewood knows the speed. He's played in games. He knows what he's got ahead of him, but he doesn't know the offense. So you kind of get a best of both worlds if you're setting out a year. I agree, and I think it it's going to be good for him just to get your feet wet, get relaxed. Mm-hmm. Learn the offense. And like you said, when you turn on the tape, it's hard to find some slants or intermediate throws yeah. with him. He, he's got kind of a elongated uh, motion, I guess you say. Takes a little while. Yeah, but we'll wind up. We've seen what Henshaw has done with some other quarterbacks so far. And to have a guy like that, man, it's, it's going to really open up some things for the offense. And I'm excited to see it develop. Now, it's going to take a while to get here. But – I don't think you can stress how big that recruiting win was. This staff has done a lot of good things, but let's face it, recruiting quarterbacks has not been one of them. Nope. But one thing they've done well is hit that transfer market, whether it be, you know, JUCO, which they've done twice, Mm -hmm. and now they're doing grad transfer. I'm kind of glad that they're doing it. They're leaning into what's what's working for them. So, from that – that stance, I think you should be excited about it. And the thing that I think is also really significant just for the immediate future, you got another arm in there for spring. Absolutely. Just, I mean, for sure. I, I'm not going to elaborate on detail, but it's good that this spring you're not going to have Terry Wilson out there throwing one of those receivers, but the guys who haven't gotten a lot of play as of late, they're going to be able to catch some passes from Joey Gatewood. So – it was some exciting news last weekend and a great, as I opened, saying like it's a good momentum booster. Kentucky right now, they're trying to close in on a couple big-time athletes, one of which um, our boy Donut. Oh, uh, my name, Donut. 
We just got some good, very good news. Yeah, very good side. news. Yeah, it canceled his official visit to Florida, and as we speak, actually, I just tweeted out a picture. Right now, he's with the Branham boys, and so he was with Khalil Branham. So he's oh, really? gonna, so he's going to go from Branham to Drennan, or one of the two, you know. Right? Yeah, they're in. I mean, they're in both they're in Columbus. Both in, right. Right. So that's a big one, and mm-hmm. I'm getting really confident about that one. So I think that Florida cancel. I think that pretty much yeah, well, all signs that. points to him signing a week from this week. Yeah. And I, we're recording Wednesday. You might not hear it till Thursday. Yeah, I heard it as, like, before the news kind of popped, too, I was hearing they were like, well, he's always waited to sign. Say, was going to wait till February to sign, but I'd heard it was going to happen early. And that was my first inclination that good things were happening. A lot of kids have that plan, but you're seeing more and more of the coaches push them. Yeah. Cause like, I think J.J. Weaver did that last year because he wanted to sign on his birthday. Yeah. And I think they were like, well, no, we need you to sign early. And as Charles Walker put it, like when you do a signing ceremony, you just sign a piece of paper. Yeah, you do. You don't sign anything. There's not like some form that they're waiting to get. You you send that in early. Right. So like it's it's not. You know you can have your ceremony still and sign away. I I just saw a tweet where Jordan Watkins is going to be at the Roosters on Dixie Highway, and I was like, damn, that would be my kind of signing day ceremony. Hang out Roosters, get a couple cold ones. We had a rehearsal dinner at Roosters. Oh, that is the most Adam like <laughs> thing I've ever heard. That is beautiful. Rented out the back room. It was a that good time. Beautiful. The one on Preston? No, Fern Creek, Bartown Road. Oh, yeah. Right well, by our house. A little classier. That back, that back room is a little crowded too at the one on Preston. Yeah, the Fern Creek one's just bigger. Yeah, yeah, a lot more room. Great place, Roosters. You want to sponsor us? Yeah, by all means. <laughs> I got it in, man. We we will greatly we will gladly shill your product. Um, because it's a pretty good one. Um, now, I, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, I was going to count up how many four-stars Kentucky's going to end up with. So, as of right now, um, we have how many it's, – it's, it, they have, I think, ten right now. So as of right, no, not ten right now. I'm thinking that it's they going could to be. be ten. So right now you have one, two, three, four, four stars. Justin Rogers is a fifth, if you count a five star. Um, Let's just say we're counting blue chips, so that's four or five stars. Okay, so that's four, four, five, four stars, and Rogers is the one uh, different. So Joel Williams, count him in. That's six. You throw in. One Vito Tisdale and Octavius Oxendine. That's seven and eight. You Feel pretty in, good about all those coming. Yeah, um, Ox is, eh, but yeah, I'm pretty confident about those. Uh, Drennan is nine, and then you can get that up to ten with one R.J. Adams or Tyler Barron. Did you count Joel Williams in there? Yeah, Joel Williams was the first one I counted. Okay, so so you get up to ten if you just get one of the two, and I think. And Josiah Hayes too. Yeah, and Josiah Hayes who just visited last weekend. So I think you're you're gonna get at least one of those three. Those are your three toss ups. They're all announcing on signing day. All these guys except Williams. Williams is doing it the day before. You're looking at a class pretty much ranking wise between probably fifteen and eighteen. So uh, luck it was we'll peel behind the curtain. We're at my dad's office, vacation experts. Great place to get a book your trip for your next holiday, vacation, whatever. We're hanging out with my dad and you know, he's asking us about recruits and luck it's like yeah, we're we're a real football school now. Everybody announces on signing day, and that's and it's crazy. That's what it used to be like, man, or it is like. I, 
everything changed now that it's early signing day. But before, man, everybody would be on that February. ESPN would be live all day, and then they would have, you know, guys on there announcing. And you would see a lot of schools, like, that were sitting at 18, 19 in the recruiting rankings all of a sudden end at four. Like Jimbo Fisher, I'm always they whether Florida State or A&M, he's always got like eight, nine guys signing on National Signing Day, yeah. and are deciding. And now Kentucky's kind of joining that party where they're going to have they're in play for a lot of guys. Like just on that list, you got Joe Williams, Octavius Oxidine, Drennan, Josiah Hayes, Barron, R.J. Adams. I mean, all those guys are deciding on the 18th, so we're, it's going to be a busy day following along. Think about – I just thought of this. What if you're Will Healy and you're coaching Charlotte in the Bahamas Bowl on Friday at 2 and you've got National Signing Day? Are you in Are you in Charlotte or are you – I guess you're, you're – No, they're down there in, on the Bahamas. Right. So, like, that that's a weird – They ran setup. out of conference. What Here's what happens because Chris Fanini, who writes for The Athletic, is kind of like their G5 writer and coaching carousel guy. He uh, – what's it called when you go in with somebody? You're embedded with them or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He embedded with SMU right after they hired Sonny Dyke. So, he had only been on the job for a week, and they were on location for the bowl game. They, I believe they played that night. Oh, God. So, what they did was <laughs> they were at, I don't know, a Hilton or whatever. They were at, in Texas at the Frisco Bowl. So, they're they just out outside Dallas. had that fax machine hooked up to the – So, they were just lo- locked into – um, a conference room. They had, I guess, like, like their big board or whatever, and they were on their phones and had their computers out, and it was like 20 of them all in there just crossing, just figuring out, and that's what that's what you have to do. I mean, it stinks that that's the situation, but it is what it is. So that's what they're doing. They're, they're going to be in the Bahamas at a hotel room, and they'll have something rented out, and then business as normal just uh, on a different location. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, we're getting to some interesting parts, too, around signing day where who is, is this kid? I think this kid is a Alabama commit who's talking to Auburn coaches. Oh, the, the signing day shenanigans where people are Gus Malzahn's trying to pull an offer and he's, like, committed to Alabama. That's hilarious. Oh, man, that's funny. Just the signing day shenanigans. We're going to get some good ones. Hopefully, there's, there's usually a surprise, too. Hopefully there's not any with Kentucky, any bad surprises. You're Justin Rogers of the world and all those big guys. They seem pretty steady. You know, I don't – I haven't heard any scuttlebutt that anything that – I'm sure there's going to be other schools still pursuing. I'm sure Tennessee is going to be in the air of a lot of these guys because Kentucky's competing with a lot of the – with Tennessee on a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're gonna they're gonna try to be doing some eleventh hour stuff. They already beat them out for a lot of guys too. Yeah, they beat them out for Rogers, uh, Ribka, who's, who even did the diss on Tennessee in his co- commitment video. They're going toe to toe with Ox, and they're going toe to toe with Barron. So all, all defensive line guys. Mm-hmm. So there's they're gonna try to do some funny business at the eleventh hour, but I, I think Kentucky. At least it feels like they're in a good space with all of them. Man, we were talking with Lackford, and if y'all don't know Dave Lackford, follow Rival, at Rivals Dave. Um, dude, Dave knows these kids better than anybody. Um, he basically is one of the big kids, so they, they talk to him all the time. He has great relationships. And he was on Monday, like – or no, Tuesday. I don't know. These days, they're all running together right now. 
was just like convinced that Baron's going to UK. But you got the dad factor. And like dad's going to get fired if Baron doesn't come there. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There is so much funny business that could happen with there. You, I just, you never know. Which I think this brings us to something that I've wanted to listen to <laughs> since we were talking Sunday about the bowl games because peel behind the scenes – you know, we'll know some stuff, and we'll try to get ahead of the curve. And we knew pretty early that uh, Kentucky was going to the Gator Bowl. And you were even you're, – you're like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll do a little ditty on Indiana. You know, no problem. And then the rug got pulled out from under us. I did. We're not going to I had Indiana figured out. I had the game plan rent out. I had everything. <laughs> I was crunching tape. Might have made a couple gifts already. Oh, you'd already made gifts too? That is a kick in the teeth. So anyway, we had what I'm <laughs> what I've been calling Fulmergate. Fulmergate. Now let's let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Let's well, talk about Philip Fulmer. Okay. Let's talk about him. Philip Fulmer is as bit Tennessee as it gets. Yep. He was an assistant he played there, was an assistant there for a long time, took over. Was head coach there for almost 20 years, won a national title, handful of SEC titles. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's last heyday yep. was under him. They ran him out of town for, for the most part, and they sucked ever since. Yep. So, Tennessee fires Butch Jones. John Curry's AD. The search is a mess after the Shiano situation. Mm-hmm. Fulmer, earlier in that season, became like a advisor, I guess you would say, he for the g- athletic department. They gave him a Steve Spurrier job. Right. Which is kind of just figure you know, head. You're in the circle, but you don't have any responsibilities. Just hang out. Yeah, that's Philip Fulmer ain't just hanging out. So Philip Fulmer makes some relationships with the president or whatnot. Um, tries to get involved in the search. Curry doesn't tell anybody because he knows what Fulmer's doing. So he goes out and interviews Mike Leach. Offers Mike Leach the job. What does Fulmer do? He steps in. Pulls a rug out from under the leech hire. Gets Curry fired. He is named the temporary AD. Goes on. Hires Jeremy Pruitt. Two years later, there's no – I mean, I don't think you're temporary after two years. No, no. He is the head honcho. So, you're hang, this is a guy that is just kind of running things right now, and he's and not in any way, shape, or form a typical athletic director. So, we have saw this in the past. This used to be how you be ADs. You'd just be a former coach. Mm-hmm. Now, it's kind of like you get trained for it. Well, and a, a fun thing about Fulmer, too, is that many people thought that all of that disaster that was happening when Fulmer stepped in to be temporary AD, they thought it was going to be temporary because he was going to be head coach again, that he was going to just pull Barry Alvarez and say, you know what, I'm actually going to go back to being the head coach because Jimmy Pruitt, you lost to Georgia State and BYU in a season. So two months ago, people were like, Fulmer, if he didn't – they lose this one, Fulmer might be back before the year's over with. And sure enough, Jimmy Pruitt, he's kind of he, – he's the wheels have kind of he's, – he's got the wrench out and he screwed him on a little bit tighter. Let's go back to this Jeremy Pruitt hire. For all intents and purposes, that first year they – Pulled two upsets out of their ass, Auburn, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they had, you know, three or four of the worst losses in Tennessee history, conference losses. Mm-hmm. They got smoked by Missouri. 
They got smoked by Vanderbilt. Yeah, three third loss in a row to Vandy. Ugh. And they they got smoked by Alabama, and there were some. They got smoked by Georgia, so they got their teeth kicked in, in a lot of ways. So what is happens at Tennessee? Thomer and Pruitt decide that it's time to clean house a little bit. Tyson Helton kind of they have a mutual agreement. He leaves for Western. They switch staff around. He goes out and hires him an offensive coordinator. Who? Jim Chaney is a very good offensive coordinator. And you had just pulled up that list. Jim Chaney makes over $2 million a year. Mm-hmm. He's not that good. He was formerly at Georgia, and right. that was when they were trying to get Grand. Chaney was the one who left. Chaney's just kind of a pro's pro. You can de- he's very dependable, but he's not, you know, he's not a savant in any way. So they're overpaid for this offensive coordinator. Jeremy Pruitt, when he got the job, said, you know, I'm calling plays. I'm a ball coach. I, call, I will call both sides if I could, but I'm calling the defense. Jim Chaney's ranked 11th on that list, right. making 1.5 a year. Right, and it's going to go – I think it goes to two eventually at the end of the contract. Mm-hmm. So then they hire so – that, so that doesn't work out. He doesn't want him calling defense anymore. So <laughs> they go get Derek Ansley. Yes. So former, all of a sudden – Former UK coach. All of a sudden, one year – Get a million bucks. Fulmer decides just to overhaul uh, the staff. And it starts out pretty crappy with this all-star staff. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. two non-Power 5 losses. You could consider BYU in there. But anyway, they're home favorite. Both those games lose them. Yeah. Couldn't start year two any worse. Nope. Credit to them. They rally the troops. Thanks probably mostly to that all-star staff. And close in a hot fashion. So it comes to bowl time. We knew Kentucky, if they wanted to get the Gator Bowl, they would probably need Auburn to pass somebody. Yeah, they needed somebody in the top ten. That didn't happen. Championship Saturday kind of went the worst way it could in that regard, especially after Oregon won. You knew it was, you know, the chances were probably slim to none. So, anyway, that comes out. But then we start to get the whiff of Tennessee's going to Music City Bowl. That's where they want to go. Kentucky's going to Gator. So, we're all starting to get excited. We have Tennessee's rival site writes a full Music City Bowl story and starts doing game breakdowns of Louisville. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Wonder where they got that information. Yeah. Huh. A source told the Athletic that Tennessee's going to Music City Bowl. Kentucky leaks out that they're going to the Gator Bowl. Everybody's starting to get Gator Bowl. And that they're going to play Indiana, a, a, ten- a Kentucky rival, something that they're going to be excited about and what should be a, a decent matchup. All of a sudden, at the last hour. Basically, the last phone call the SEC made that says, all right, we good? We good? We good? Somebody said, nope, not good. Here's Adam Luckett's theory. Nick, now before I say this. Okay. Remember how I talked about Steve Spurrier in Georgia? Yeah. Fulmer's up there with me. <laughs> okay. I respect the hell of what he did. And Tennessee probably did the wrong thing for firing him. But I don't really like him, and I don't think he really likes Kentucky all that much either. I think he gets great pride and never lost to Kentucky. Gets great pride in having that streak. And quite frankly – that he gets involved right after, you know, Kentucky beats them in 2017 and kind of gets that, you know, where they're cranking up and Tennessee's 
Mm-hmm. I don't find that, you know, there's a lot of reasons he got involved, but I think that might have had some reason to do with it. So he takes over, and since he's taken over, Kentucky, best team ever, loses to Tennessee. Yep. In basketball, Kentucky had Tennessee beat in that Southeastern Conference tournament, choked it away in the last two minutes in Nashville, and that is Kentucky's tournament, and Tennessee kind of took that over. Yep. This year, he beats Kentucky. They go on the road. Tennessee beats Kentucky in a close game. So since he has taken over, Tennessee's kind of dunked on Kentucky. I think this was Philip Fulmer seeing Kentucky rise up and getting a chance to dunk on them again. I think he set this up. I think he knew the Gator Bowl wanted him. I think he got reassurances from the SEC office that said, you know, these are the rules. So if that's what you want to go, this is where you go. It's not written in permanent ink. Like Brett McMurphy is not getting that source from out of yeah. nowhere. No, Brett McMurphy. It's uh, not just he knows one guy in the SEC office. That's probably because he sent – the tweet out twice in the morning he says this is what i'm hearing mm-hmm. and then he tries to woge the thing yeah which is probably a shot at espn for firing him yeah tries to get at them early so i don't think he's making this up this is what was going to happen and all of a sudden tennessee comes in at the last minute i think he wanted to do that i think he looked at it as a shot to kind of stiff arm kentucky and i don't think a normal ad pulls that move if that was not what they wanted to do, if they were still on question, that wouldn't have gotten leaked out. Their rival site wouldn't have wrote a full Music City Bowl story. The Athletic wouldn't have said, we're here in Music City Bowl. Philip Fulmer is making all the football decisions, and it's just my theory that he uses this as a chance to kind of push Kentucky down a little bit. Hmm. And it, what it gets to is after we all have – Tennessee writing all these articles like that. We got the Knoxville Sentinel. I think that's what their newspaper's called. Knoxville something. Yep, yep, that's right. Wes Rucker, who's like their big uh, recruiting site guy, he writes a big op-ed piece. We're Tennessee, by God, and we're going to take what we want. He he is uh, like Clay Travis. Uh He was formerly that, but now Clay's big national guy. Wes is the closest thing they have to like – Right. A, a mad or you know like mm-hmm. a, a good fanboy. Mm-hmm. And he, he he says he's not a fanboy, but he's a big fanboy. Mm-hmm. I I don't you know I I, I like I him. like Wes, but he compared Tennessee's basketball team to '96. Kentucky oh yeah, team. so I'm going to dunk on him for eternity because so. that is just a horrible take. And people will never forget that take. And then the athletic David Ubbin, who does a very good job, he had in his piece it was said, Fulmer told him boosters and others decided that we that we wanted to make it decision that's philip farmer doing what he wants to do he's in control mm-hmm. and he used it as you know a move i think to kind of put down kentucky a little bit because tennessee is on the climb up now yeah they're trying to get out of the out of the sewer their goal is to win the sec to win the sec they're going to have to beat florida and georgia but they got to knock other pegs out of the way before they can really get to that level mm-hmm and a thorn in their side right now is what I think Kentucky's doing. Now, it hasn't showed up on the field yet. And that's – at the bottom line, Kentucky, go out and beat these guys. Yeah. you got to stop losing to them. If you, lo- if you beat them, well, this isn't a discussion. But I think it's going to be something that, quite frankly, that they'll probably sell to 
uh, Tyler Barron. Excuse me, I forgot his name for a second. Yeah. And I think it's something they'll use. And I think they get that. I think it's no secret that Tennessee, one of their biggest things right now is saying, well, you know, we're on a rebuild, but we still own Kentucky. And my thing, my biggest thing from this is realize who Philip Fulmer is. I think he used it as a chance to kind of knock Kentucky down a couple pegs. Mm-hmm. And I hope Kentucky uses it as motivation because I know it pissed me off. I think it was premeditated. And bottom line is you got to start beating these guys. Mark Stoops has done a lot of great things. Yeah, Tennessee beating them, that's – We, need, we yeah. need to start – Kentucky needs to start beating them. Now, counterpoint, I think some of – like they had a good excuse for why they would want a last-minute change of heart because – I don't think they had too many fans motivated to just go to the Music City Bowl. Like, it's just, you know, they're like, oh, Music City Bowl, we're better than that. And Gator Bowl, it's in Florida. So, it just seems like it's a better bowl. Now, as far as matchups and all that goes, I'm sure these bowls aren't very happy about it. In fact, I think, I mean, Kentucky's going to end up, it's going to be a more difficult game against Virginia Tech, but they're getting a much better opponent to beat out of this. The Music City Bowl is pissed, I guarantee you. yeah. Is there music behind closed doors? I bet they call. I bet of everybody. I bet they called and made the most noise out of all of this. Well, I mean, hell, Mississippi State played Louisville in a bowl game like two years ago. Yeah, it was Lamar's last game. What, twenty seventeen? Yeah, you had Tennessee, Louisville. Louisville's going to bring a decent amount of fans, but Tennessee was going to sell that joint out. That was going to be close to a full house. Right. So I, I'd be now. Did you see the picture that Knoxville News Sentinel used on their story with Phil Fulmer smiling? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was the most – I can just hear you screaming right now. Yeah, I, I read it. I did. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> yeah. He was throwing stuff at the TV as it happened. I saw it. Um, yeah. And call yeah. me conspiracy theorist as you want. That's just me reading the tea leaves. I am pretty involved in all this stuff. I follow it all. I'm swimming in waters a lot of people don't get close to just from my involvement and how consumed I am with college football. But, man, I think it was Fulmer trying to, you know, kind of toy with Kentucky a little bit. And Barnhart, I'm not sure what he could have done. I mean, it would, he couldn't have, yeah, and I, don't, I won't be surprised if they maybe change up how they, how they do this in the future. As in, like, how they – or how is they're assigned? Yeah, or maybe the well, rules are a little different. Maybe they don't – maybe they tell everybody, let's not leak anything out anymore or – Yeah, I, and I think in general, too, just the, the bowl selection process is annoying as hell. Well, like just, ESPN kind of messes it up for everybody because they go on for eight freaking hours. Just make it a selection show. You get way – you get exponentially better ratings if you do the playoff, the New Year's Six Bowls, and then just announce the rest of them. And then talk for three hours. Yeah. But they, get, they try to stretch it out. And so that, and that's what happens when you get it stretched out. You can have a situation like this. Now, uh, I, I would like to think that I, w- I would love to believe your conspiracy theory. Look, it, I'm somewhere. I, I think the truth is somewhere in between the rational explanation and Fulmer wanting to dunk on him. As far as pitching it to a recruit, I don't think Tyler Barron gives a damn about Belk Bowl versus Gator Bowl versus Music City Bowl. Like you know, they're seven and five going to bowl game. Not much has changed. You're splitting hairs at that point. Um, that's not going to make a significant difference in your recruiting. But it, I can't blame Tennessee if they're wanting to use every single advantage. My thing is, I think they'll use it, but I don't think that's the reason they did it. I think they just did it because they could. 
Right, right. It's my thing. I think he yeah. did it because he could. Yeah, which I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put past him at all. Um, now, with that being said, Belk Bowl doesn't scream Charlotte, or you know, it doesn't scream like, "Oh, you're in a Florida Bowl game." But I'm happy to be hanging out in Charlotte for a few days versus Jacksonville. Now, granted, last time I wasn't out at the beaches, you know, so I didn't get the full taste. But I'm excited for a new city. Or they I mean, have a nice little downtown life. Yeah, and we're gonna be right, NBA game right smack dab in the middle of it. I'm gonna be doing radio down there. Uh, me and TJ, we're, we got clearance to bring the Dugan equipment hook down you there. Up. Dugan's hooking us up. There you go. So y'all can come hang out with us in hotel lobbies at the crack of dawn, um, talking chalk. But and I'm also excited that you're playing Virginia. Like there's a, there's a good storyline in this game. It ain't the same as you know. Oh, playing Indiana, I would get annoyed by all the basketball crap and like. You know, I, I don't want to be like, I know better than you at football, but there's nothing worse than just like the easy ESPN boilerplate bullcrap talking points that you would get. The bullcrap talking point now you get is Bud Foster's last game, and that's a real legit talking point. Dude's a legend. He's I, – I cannot name very many. Like, you, you think of uh, uh, Buddy Ryan. You know, there, there aren't too many people where you know them as coordinators. Now, Buddy obviously went on to coach elsewhere, but this is a dude who's a career coordinator, who's a legend as a coordinator. He's going, and his last test is against Bowden Ball, which is no easy test. Um, they got the horses probably to do pretty well against it as well. So I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a lot more fun than Indiana. Honestly, I know Indiana, like, you know, they're an eight-win team. Eight-four. I think Kentucky would have just beat the snot out of them. Just absolutely rolled. You could argue that they were a little bit of paper champion because their wins were against some bad teams. Bad Big Ten West teams. Like, oh, you but beat Nebraska. Here's oh. the thing with Kentucky and Indiana. Kentucky wanted to play in that Gator Bowl. And that Indiana buildup, I would have been interested to see how like excited it got both fan bases, how many would have traveled, and what that game type of atmosphere would have been like if it would have been fun and exciting for the fan base, and then if that would have maybe put some more pressure on Kentucky to maybe want to start that basketball series up again. Or make it a – give yourself a non-maction game. Right. Bring that back because, um, like as Freddie said on Monday, that was their Wolfville game back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was who – that was their other right. rival. it was. That was outside the SEC. So Battle for the beer barrel. Yeah. Well, were they beer barrel too, mm-hmm. Indiana? So we had two beer barrels? I think it was Bourbon Barrel was Tennessee. Maybe – no, t- Indiana's Bourbon Barrel, Tennessee's Bourbon yeah, Barrel. My yeah, bad. My okay. fault. But still, that would have been something. Um, but straight up, I think from a schematic standpoint, I think Kentucky might have had an easier time moving the ball against Indiana, whereas Indiana's pass game was a little more scarier than what Virginia Tech's offense does. But you're going to play Virginia Tech kind of in their backyard, man. Yeah, Charlotte is ACC territory. Tom Fernelli made a funny joke when he ranked every bowl game. And he's like, the bowl, belt bowl's been played since 2001, and this is the 83rd time Virginia Tech's played in it. Second time under Fuente they've been in it. Yeah, like yeah. Four he's years. only been there four years. Um, so That belt to them is Music City to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's their wheelhouse. But I think it's great for fans who want to make a quick road trip. Even if you have to work on Monday, you get out of work, you drive to Charlotte, you go to the game, you party your ass off New Year's Eve. Six hours from Lexington. Yeah, not far at all. You party your ass off New Year's Eve after Kentucky wins, you drive home New Year's Day. 
not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Not bad at all. So um, I, I think that's the convenience of it is nice. The different, just something different is kind of nice. Um, and I just, I love the New Year's Eve kick to noon on New Year's. Because that's what Gator was first time around. And I 11 a.m. then. It was 11? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that was real early. That's why. That was my, too early. That's why my wife was so hungover. <laughs> that was too early, man. <laughs> At like 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, but no, this, I, I, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy my experience. And I know, I know you were banking a lot on Jacksonville. I was. And unfortunately, looks like I am going to have to miss yeah. the first bowl game in a while. But I'm going to Vegas. Oh, yeah. So I can't a, be too sad. No, no. Oh, you can place some wagers on it. There you go. On, on Kentucky and the Bell Bowl. Three points, give it to me. But then I'm going to have to go back and cash it if I do that. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> so I'll be betting on the Bahamas Bowl while I'm out there in some of the Las you're, Vegas Bowl. You're, you're going to be there for – Vegas Bowl, you get Chris Peterson um, versus old school, his old boys, school in his last game. In his last game, that's, that's going to be good. Cool. In Las Vegas Bowl, that game's popping. That's a it is. that's that's typically a game. Dude, that's, when they get the, in the stadium, it's even it's going to be one of the bigger bowl games. I was looking through the slate today. Look at the bowl slate. This year's Cheese It Bowl. Oh is, yes, is yes. going to it's my, it's kick last year's Cheez It Bowl right it's in the my groin. Favorite matchup. Are you kidding me? They put t- Mike Leach against a triple option team. Are that you Air Force, kidding me? That Air Force me? team's good. Oh my gosh, that is going to be. I I cannot wait because I I think that's actually it's like the twenty seventh I believe is when that game's being played and it's Pac twelve after dark schedule time. Yes, it's so, late. It's real late. Friday so, night. Oh man, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. That's why I'm getting into Charlotte. I'm getting in that Friday. So I'm gonna have some cold domestics at a local watering hole. There you go. Oh, watch that game. And then the next day you got Kentucky Louisville Cards Cats. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It's playoffs at the same time as Kentucky Louisville. <sighs> Don't get me started on this, but we're gonna start on it. Kentucky Louisville tips at three forty five. LSU Oklahoma kick at four PM. What the hell? Are you <laughs> kidding me? What the who the hell was thinking that? Jesus freaking Christ! This is Kentucky level basketball. Are you kidding me? The we're the playoff? I would rather watch the playoff. College basketball needs a scheduling intervention. Baylor played in their conference championship game last week with a college football playoff bid on the line. At the time they kicked back home in Waco, they were tipping against Arizona. An Arizona team that's top 25. Their biggest non-con game. Of the year. Of You know, of the season. <sighs> so, yes, I am irked at this. Usually what they've done is it's led into the Sun Bowl, that game. So, it's played at like noon. So, it's yeah. out of the way. For some reason, the, well, the Sun Bowl's not on New Year's Eve this year, I don't think. And it's they have a doubleheader for basketball. Somebody's playing at one, and then Kentucky – Louisville playing at 345. Yeah, Sun Bowl is on New Year's Eve at 2. So they would be, I mean, in theory. They're on New Year's Eve. Which, right. I mean, even if they. Which is why, why didn't they just play this game on New Year's Eve? That's well, what I get. And now. if they were leading into the Sun Bowl, though, then Kentucky's playing their bowl game at the same time as the UKU bowl game. Well, you might have seen more fight out of Kentucky. To get out of that belt bowl. Yeah, yeah. Either way, what the hell? Get this I kind of wish, I wish they would have done that because then we might have had some. Between Fulmer and Mitch. Yeah. Oh, man, that top button. He done top, Mitch unbuttoned that top button. He'd be going down. That's like taking the gloves off. They would have had to call in uh, 
some muscle. Mitch would have had to call in some uh, – whoever Mitch's muscle is, he would have had to call it in. Look, I, I made this I, – I wrote this post like two years ago. Kentucky Louisville needs to be played this Saturday before the Army-Navy game. There's no reason why it shouldn't be played this Saturday. I Absolutely have, zero. I have another suggestion. Rivalry Saturday. They're getting more open with the scheduling, like Kentucky opening with the Champions Classic, playing conferences are moving, starting games earlier. Why not play it on Super Bowl weekend, Saturday? That's what they did with Arkansas, Kentucky back in the day. Now, the reason why I think they would be hesitant, you know, Cal and all them, they get all fussy. They don't want to – for some reason – Houston, Kentucky was that, that game. Yeah. And the, they had the dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they, they, they get all like, ooh, we're in the conference. We've got to stay in the conference. Like, what's the big damn deal? But either way – there are much better solutions than playing this game. The biggest game of the basketball season in the bluegrass is during football bowl season when nobody else cares. And frankly, it's ridiculous. And I'm sick and tired of it. And I can't beat this drum any louder. It's not just Kentucky, though. Cincinnati Xavier, which is one of the other big non-conference rivalries. Oh, I didn't even pay attention. They play on championship Saturday every year. So, like – I didn't even know For the happened. most part. So, what, what the hell are – what the hell are – it's college basketball. They need an intervention. That's, I don't know what else to say. It's ridiculous. Mike like, Trangizi, get on this. Kentucky playing. This is two years – three years in a row, Kentucky's played a game on that conference championship Saturday. Like, why? Yeah. I, I know Kentucky – Kentucky's a long shot most years to get into the SEC championship, but why Why even risk it? It's just, just stupid. Just why? Play on Sunday. Like, What's wrong with that? Our Friday – there's teams playing that Friday Louisville night. Louisville played Friday night. They, got, they were ga- hammered. They were having a good time. There's a bunch of games on Friday night. No, it's just – did you all right? Did you watch College basketball? Needs scheduling. Did you watch any of the Fairleigh Dickinson game? I didn't watch a second of it. <laughs> I'm on. I, I, that's just out of spite. That I, I had it on my second TV. I will not watch it. I had, it was on the second TV, but it was muted for the SEC championship. Right. I have family Christmas, so I was out. But we got back from time for the second half of the SEC championship. Oh, you're not. But you're not going to watch. But I'm not turning Fairleigh on Fairleigh Dickinson. There's no point in playing that game at that time. But I rest my case. <sighs> yep, yep. Okay, we're getting fired. We're we're too. We need to end on a lighter note. Like it, you had some some things written down here that I don't know if we got to all of them. Did we get to all? Of them? Did we get to everything? Well, I oh. have not. Oh. I listened to your all's podcast with Freddie. Uh-huh. Welcome back, Panther. And I turned it off because I wanted to save this about the twenty five minutes. Y'all start talking about all SEC selections. Yes, yes. Okay. So this, this is, is this is this is the coaches team. Like Freddie likes to say, it's SID team. Yes. So I am saving my reactions because before I think we talked about this at our first episode, these all SEC selections, and mm-hmm. I get pretty worked up about this. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, I haven't looked at this coach's team. AP did a very good job. I yeah. didn't have much issues with theirs. But I have not looked at it. I know that Duffy's second team. So I saw that. It's hard with Kentucky Twitter not to see that. Yeah, but yeah. I haven't looked at anything else. So this is going to be organic. Adam Luckett's organic reactions to these all SEC okay. teams. All right. Would you like me to read them to you? Would that be best, or do you just want to do you want to go through them yourself? You can read. Okay, let's just let's read them. Let's we'll read the out. first team, and then I'll look at the second and third and tell you how I feel about them. So, first team offense tight end, Kyle Pitts, Florida. Good, good decision. Andrew Thomas, Georgia, of course, and Jedrick Wills, your two tackles. Makes okay. perfect sense. Yes. Another offensive lineman from Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. No, no, that's three tackles. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Trey Smith, offensive guard. Yes. Uh, you understand. He it, had a good season. Yeah, I could I could argue either way. Center, 
From Louisiana State University, Lloyd Cushenberry III. Lloyd Cushenberry is high on draft boards with what I've seen. I would have had – Drake Jackson should have been first-team center, so, yeah, okay. But you could you you could understand that maybe, perhaps. Yes. I'm trying – there's another – I would have had him and Trey Hill from Georgia ahead of him. But okay. I could, I, you can argue that. I hate that they put three tackles. How do the coaches put three tackles on there, but the, the AP has – Two guards, two tackles, and a center. This is the SEC just figured out. They don't need to be offensive linemen. Put them at their positions. Okay. Yeah, stupid. At wide receiver, Alabama's Jerry Judy. Duh. Jamar Chase from LSU. Yeah, no doubter. He should have been the first one on there. They only have two wide receivers on this team? <laughs> Running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yes, this are well-deserved. DeAndre Swift from Georgia. He's banged up, but. Yeah, I could. I mean, he was the best back when he's healthy. Georgia just didn't get him well enough. I would. I could see that. Joe Burrow at quarterback, Wimbledon at all purpose. Yeah, good job. Yep. Okay. Offensive line, other than the offensive line, I'm fine with that. Okay. Defense, the SEC defensive player of the year, Derek Brown, Auburn. Yep. Also a defensive line, Auburn's Marlon Davidson. Yep. Jonathan Grenard, Florida. Yep. Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina. Actually, kind of like that. I thought Kinlaw got kind of sl- slighted. Yeah, because he he played like a monster. But he was he was an animal when I with what I've seen of him. So I like that. Alabama linebacker Anthony Jennings. Okay. LSU linebacker, Kalevon. Kalevon Chasen. God, what a name. That's two outside linebackers. Yeah, and the third linebacker Nick Bolton from Missouri. Yes, he needs to. Yes, Bolton was awesome this year. I'm surprised they didn't give it to. The, Garrett, too, just even in half a season. Uh, defensive backs, J.R. Reed from Georgia. Okay, safety. Uh, Grant Delpit, safety from LSU. So, uh, Delpit had a weird – he was good, but he had a weird year. He's a name that they were going to put yeah. in no matter what. Uh, Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Well, that's three safeties, so yeah, they already messed up. C.J. Henderson from Florida. No, uh, no. How's Derek Stingley not on this list? Oh, my God. <laughs> Special teams. They literally just Hot took the preseason team and moved them to yeah. – Oh, my goodness. Punter, Braden Mann, oh. and return specialist Jaden Waddle. Yeah, Waddle's a bad boy, Yeah, man. Waddle's a bad man. But Braden Mann, he, he's, Duffy's numbers are better. They took the preseason list <laughs> and moved it to the postseason list. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Drake Jackson didn't even make second team offense. Was it Trey Hill? Uh, no, it was Damian Lewis. Or, no, sorry, Landon Dickerson, Alabama. What? I thought he played guard. <laughs> I like this guy from Auburn that made it. Prince Tega Wenahagu. I don't know how to say that. That um, That's another preseason, postseason. Did Albert O made it as second-team tight end. Did he, even, he was hurt for half the year, wasn't he? Yeah, and he wasn't even – He wasn't even that, that good, good this the year. Texas A&M had a freshman tight end. It probably should have made that it That dude was him. a stud. It was Stenberg, also a second-team selection. Tua, he made second team, and I think rightfully so, even when he was out. Uh, Daniel Batuli a, a defensive guy on there. There's your Stingley in at second team. Nigel Warrior, I thought he was one of the tougher guys Kentucky played this year. He was good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull it up right now. I'm having here, a hard if time you would like it. to just uh, scroll through here, by all means – let me see here. Okay, we're on second team. Albert O. That's bad. Prince Tega. Not good. Damian Lewis was really good. That's a guy Kentucky recruited that that they almost had, and he was been awesome for LSU. Mm-hmm. 
Brian Edwards, he deserved it. Kylan Hill led the league in rushing. Yeah, I'd say that. that Najee, Harris, you, Najee Harris had a good year. Yep. You know, going down here. I just, hmm. I, I love your fury when they get they get the positions wrong. That makes me. I'm good to see Batuli on there. He deserved it. Yeah, he he's a bad Kentucky. man. He absolutely did. Derek Stingley and Trayvon. Who are the corners on top? Trayvon Diggs and Stingley should have been the two corners. They only put one. Like, yeah, C.J. Anderson. Good job. Dumbasses. <laughs> Henderson declared for the draft. Yeah, he did. Yeah, saw that. Doesn't tackle. <laughs> Lynn Bowden. Max Duffy, second team. Lynn Bowden declared for the draft, too. He's playing in the bulk bowl. How the hell do we have five return specialists on here? The ties aren't Oh, broken. they had ties. Yeah. Number one. Okay. Yeah, just – and we're going to revisit this come July media days. Yeah. But AP though they had four first teamers. That's only happened. That's the only the third time in school history. Kentucky, yeah. So AP got something right. I had a stat I pulled up the other day. It was when they started doing the AP poll. I guess like eighty six or something. And John Schlarman was a player. He made first team all SEC. I believe they had six in the years before Schlarman showed up. And six since twenty sixteen, they've had four. I believe. Offensive linemen. Yeah, Toth, Bunchy, Stenberg, Drake Jackson. Warford wasn't one? He was one of the five before. They had five all SEC. Oh, before Stoops. And then you – okay, I see what you're saying now. So, man. Because that so, was always a position because they had that long drought of offensive linemen drafted. Yeah, Warford was like the first guy drafted in like 20, 30 years. Or and something. now they, they're becoming like kind of a, a factory almost to produce some really good linemen. And John Schlarman, he doesn't get enough credit, man. Especially nationally that there's offensive line coaches they talk about. Mm-hmm. And then they were left off the Joe Moore Award this week. It's got a lot of people. All right, I thought they should have been in the top four. I could argue. Everybody on that panel that talks about Oregon says they're like the best ever. But also, who are they blocking? You know, I don't necessarily see it every time I watch them. I know Penae Sewell's like the real deal, Holyfield. Um, but uh, they, but they say they cover up a lot of holes for, I guess. I think it says more about Oregon's play calling, maybe, that they, they're covering <laughs> up that many holes, if that's true. Yeah. So, we'll see. LSU and Alabama got in there. I thought they should have been in there over there over Alabama, but Jedrick Wills has been a boss. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's going to be a top ten pick. That's crazy. So, I wasn't too upset about that. I know some people were. It's hard to grade – you can't just grade them off yeah. just stats. I saw some – Kyle Tucker sent those stats out, and I think that – that does point to their favor, but I also think, man, the way the offense was tailored. People keep telling me 8-9 in a box, and I told people that's exactly what Kentucky wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted 8-9 in a box. If you put 8-9 in the box, they were going to get big plays on you. So, But either way, they, they've been a finalist, I think, twice for that now, in the last three years. So they're doing big things. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're moving in the right direction. Um, now, we need to start moving to get on out of here. I was, it's, good to, it's good to hear fiery bucket. You can tell, like, we're, we're getting the itch, signing days approaching, trying to, to blog till we fall. The, so Should be a big one next week it's here on 11 personnel. Yeah, it's going to be a big one next week because I think we're going to get the, the Panther on and do just a, make it our signing day special. So I, we're going to figure out the logistics behind that. But Kentucky's going to have a lot more commits. It's going to be crazy. That's when we're going to go through, and we're just going to talk about the guys and what we like about them. You've been doing some previews as well. I think Freddie's going to start chipping in some as well. Um, but I know you had one on your boy Ernie 
the other day. I know you're a big fan Ernie of Ernie Sands. Big fan of Ernie. But we'll be able to go and talk about our favorites, uh, just kind of going through the class. Um, so that'll be a good time. And we'll touch – I'm going to touch on kind of where it ranks in the SEC, especially this defensive line, Hall. Yeah, they're good. This is going to be up there as good as anybody in this in this class, rankings-wise. It's going to be up there with a bunch of blue buds. Keep Derek LeBlanc. Yeah. Some guys can go, let's keep Derek yeah, LeBlanc. let's Kentucky get him paid. And this coaching Carroll sell – now it gets interesting. The head coaches are out of the way. Now that staff turnover starts happening. NFL moves are going to happen here soon. So Kentucky, they've lost Dean Hood. They, you know, they dodge a bullet. It looks like with Eddie Grand. Mm-hmm. Hold on to everybody else because the staff is really damn good. Yeah. And you don't want to lose them. Don't want to lose them. Um, until then, enjoy your Christmas shopping experience. I'm sure plenty of you are still getting things done. We're in the process of getting our holiday stuff together. We're getting our recruiting together. It's a busy time of the year, and we thank you for taking, eh, you know, a little more than an hour to spend some time with us talking football, making fun of SEC football coaches and whatnot. It's been a good day. We'll see you next week after signing day. Kentucky's going to have a football recruiting class. Go Cats. Go Croakers.